You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes. Sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you Hey buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, 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 buddy, what's going on? Oh, buddy, a wild, wild <laughs> one here in the SEC. We got news all over the league. I'm ready to talk some SEC football. Ready? And, hey, we got a great, great interview with Mike Yuva, the guy that broke the news that Will Muschamp mm-hmm. was out at South Carolina. But how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I just, like you said, I've been all over the Twitter feed. I've just finished listening to the interview. Fantastic interview coming up. And, uh... I'm just excited, man. I, I mean, this is a this is a new chapter for South Carolina fans, and they're in, you know, there's so many things going on out there. Like, are we going to get this guy? Are we going to get that guy? There's so there's just so much. Tis the season, Mike, for <laughs> coaching search. Yep. Uh, I'm just glad nobody else got fired this weekend, so we can just focus on one school at a time. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we'll get to all that South Carolina. Obviously, that's the big news right now in the SEC. But we're going to hold off for just a minute. Because we missed something, we don't record on Friday evening, and we were both out of our studio, we got family in, so we couldn't even we couldn't even do emergency pod or anything about it. Probably should have mentioned this on the, on the Monday show, but uh, we focus on the games. But the SEC announced on Friday evening, Shane, that you know they're going to get creative to try to get these games in. And with so many postponements, the SEC title game's coming up. Remember, that's December 19th. We've only got so many slots to fit in so many games. The SEC has announced that, uh, you know, if there's a team, and hey, we got to mention this. So, for example, Ole Miss at Texas A&M, that just got postponed here on Monday. Bad news, first postponement of the week. Hopefully, this is the last one. Last week, we had four postponements. We already got one in the SEC. So in order to try to fit these games in, 
you know, for example, ten- Tennessee and Texas A&M got postponed, so Texas A&M's already got their week filled up. Yeah. The SEC's going to rotate these games up to five days before kickoff, which means Monday evening, 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central, the schedules can change. So yeah. we're getting into a day, some wild, wild territory here in the SEC, and we didn't want to do a bunch of previews because who knows? We might even we might start previewing a game <laughs> that's not going to happen. You know what? Yeah, man. It's this is a, a crazy time, but I do like how flexible they're becoming because uh, the last thing you want is one or two SEC games. You know, when there were opportunities to play, and I, I think they wish they would have. They would have done this sooner, mm-hmm. but uh, better late than than never, of course. Yep. All right, buddy, you ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around let's the, go league. the league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. At Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, uh, like I said, we're going to get to South Carolina in just a second here, but uh, the Ole Miss AD, Keith Carter, he held a press conference here on Monday, and I thought uh, just all SEC fans would really appreciate this because it's not so much a uh, Ole Miss talking points, although, of course, he's going to talk with the Rebels, but... He really gives some insight into uh, what the SEC is thinking with this new flexible schedule and how they're going to outline it and whether this Ole Miss at Texas A&M game can even be played. He talks about uh, all that, moving the ra- around the games, and all these guys at Texas A&M, they come off the contact tracing on Sunday. So could we have moved this game to Sunday? Keith Carter addresses all that right here. Keith, uh... Lane didn't seem to think the A&M game would be made up at the end. Uh, just where does that stand right now? Where are you here? Um, I think we're going to make every effort to make up the game. You know, we'll, we'll see how the dates play out. Um, right now, tentatively, A&M is scheduled to play Tennessee on the 12th. So, you know, obviously that, game, that date would not be available. But... Um, you know, I think I think we want to play the games. I think that's been important. Our league's talked a lot about that, uh, finding ways to to get the games played. I think our players want to play. I know everyone wants to play. It'll just all come down to you know, do you have the dates? Obviously, that that nineteenth has been opened up, and so you know, we'll see see how it all plays out. I think the interesting thing is that um, you know, the last four weeks here or so will, are going to be very very fluid. Um, I think there's going to be some games that get moved around potentially. Uh, based on COVID, and um, I think the, the thought is, you know, we don't want to have two teams that are um, sitting at home with, with healthy players. Um, if we can somehow go ahead and play that game, we want to try to do that. So um, stay tuned. How about the prospect of something getting moved up to this weekend for Ole Miss? Yeah, I think it's a possibility. Um, you know, we've got two remaining opponents, LSU and, and Mississippi State. 
And um, I think if either of their opponents ended up with COVID-related issues that could not play this weekend, then you might see us either hosting Mississippi State or traveling to LSU. Um, yeah, the percentages obviously are probably pretty small on that. But uh, again, that's just kind of a, a real life example of what the league is talking about potentially doing. So we'll, we'll wait. We have to know that by 8 p.m. tonight. And uh, Coach Kiffin is aware of that, obviously. And so we'll adjust and, and do what we need to do. Keith, do you and your staff have any power in this decision-making process, or is this solely up to the league office? Well, we, we as ADs voted on this. You know, we voted on this to, to make this a possibility. We voted on the 19th, first of all, to open that date up. And then, you know, also to, to basically move games if we needed to. And so, um, you know, to us, it's all about you want to make sure that it's fair for both teams. Obviously, if you're traveling, maybe it changes a little bit. It's a little harder to make those adjustments. But, um, you know, we said from day one, we want to play the games. We want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to do that. And uh, I think so far, you know, all of the, the ADs, the presidents and chancellors, the coaches, um, you know, everyone's been pretty much on the same page that we want to do that. So, yeah, I would say we definitely had input into this. And, you know, it's going to affect teams differently. Um, and we, we may have wished we made different decisions uh, when it all comes down to it. But uh, ultimately, we want to play the games. Is there the possibility you guys might pick up a game against an SEC team not already on your schedule? No. No, it would have to be somebody who's on the schedule. Um, can't be somebody you've already played. And, and obviously, you know, um, only for us, the only options would be Mississippi State or LSU. Was there ever any talk or possibility of trying to play the A&M game on Sunday, if that's when they're getting out of quarantine, or was that not a possibility? Well, Nick, I think the issue you run into there is, you know, there's a lot of layers to this. You know, they, I don't know the exact particulars, but you know, if they did come out on Sunday, there's still, I believe, a five-day acclimatization period that they have to deal with and you know, that as they come out. So it's not just the quarantine. There's some other protocols in place, too. Um, I think we had a couple of guys that came out of quarantine um, or maybe a, a player that came out of isolation at some point that could have played in a game, but because they had not had that five-day period, they couldn't play. So I guess it's kind of like the Trevor Lawrence situation at Clemson where he was able to be with the team but he was unable to play. And so I don't know exactly how all that works out for A&M, but I don't think there would be any way we could play on Sunday. All right, Shane. And, you know, one thing I forgot to mention with this postponement, this is the CBS game. So we may not have a CBS game here two weeks in oh, a row. God. They got something else going on, right? <laughs> I don't think so. No Masters I can't this watch, week. I can't watch another Boston College game, Mike. <laughs> I don't know what Gary is doing with his time off on these Saturdays, but yeah, so we may not, maybe we'll get a game flexed in there. I hope we do, but uh, I'm not sure how that's going to play out. But another point I wanted to make, and again, we're not, you know, experts on the subject, but getting a lot of eyebrows raised here, Shane, because Texas A&M, Jimbo said on Monday, they're down to about 40 scholarship players. They only got one guy that's got COVID. All the rest are contact tracing and they've been out for, they got to be out for 14 days. So I don't know. It just, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And I'm sure they're testing those guys regularly. They're all coming back negative, but it's kind of a damn shame that uh, it's just kind of the way it is, you know, buddy, trust me firsthand <laughs> right now, dealing with some contact tracing and it doesn't make sense when you have a negative test. I don't understand why you can't just continue your day. Mm -hmm. What's the point of getting tested? And then, 
Because, all right, all right. Yeah, we don't I have didn't... to go down the whole spiel, okay. but right before we ho- yeah. hopped on here, Shane gave me about a 20-minute spe- uh, speech. Exactly. He is, not... He's in the contact tracing as I we am. speak. I am. I will not be playing football Saturday, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> And it's bullshit. I'm telling you. No, uh, this is the thing. If you get a negative test, you got to sit out for 14 days. That makes no sense. Uh, I don't. I don't get that. It's like, why even get tested if you were just near? Why don't you just go home for 14 days? Why waste your time and going to the these uh, urgent care rapid test clinics and, and, and when you're just going to be sitting at the house for 14 days? It makes absolutely no sense. And like you said, here's a clear cut example. You've got one athlete that's got COVID. You're down to 44. How many did you say? 44? I think he said they're around 40. 40 scholarship. But I mean, how popular is this kid, Mike? You know, <laughs> did he have a party this weekend that we didn't know about or something? It's like... I was thinking maybe, uh, you know, obviously they don't have uh, the players work in the cafeteria or anything, but I thought maybe he was coughing on everybody's tray or something. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Is it? Is it the ball boy? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're not making fun of the COVID. Uh, by no means. It's just, it's, it's, it's a crazy day, crazy time that we're living in. And uh, yeah, we got to be flexible. And, and clearly we've got Texas A&M in a little bit of a hot mess. I mean, right now we've got the Tennessee game. We've got to make up. We've got the Ole Miss game. They got to make up. So currently, Mike, if, if this just plays out the way it's, it's set. We're going to have one of those games on the first on that designated bye week. Right, December twelfth. So does that mean Texas? We're expecting like tentatively uh, Texas A and M and Ole Miss during the SEC championship week. Since you know, right now they're neither one of these teams are going to be in it. I would expect that to be the case. But the only issue here, and I know it's not likely. I'm not trying to make Alabama fans mad. But what happens if they fall apart and they lose a couple games and the Yankees are sitting here with one loss, first place in the West, they cannot play that weekend, you know? So yeah. I think that's the issue the SEC finds itself in. And I would expect well, they're going to give – I think they're going to give priority to division games. So we may see Texas A&M Tennessee move to that championship weekend. Yeah, Alabama dropping a – couple games Mike I I mean if I had wings I probably could fly you know it's just I, I don't I don't see that happening mm-hmm. and uh I think we're in a good spot there but it's just it, it just kind of blows my mind the way this situation's unfolding here the last couple of weeks and uh yeah the, again we got to be flexible but this thing is something that easily could bleed into the the following week so I don't know uh, just moving these games around, we're definitely going to, you know, report it as soon as we hear anything. But uh, just that's, yeah, I think you're right. We don't need to do any type of uh, uh, previews because we don't know who the hell's playing Saturday. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of not playing anymore, Shane, let's jump on over to Columbia because uh, J.C. Horn, they're potentially all SEC corner. He's opted out. This comes after Will Muschamp. No longer the coach there. And, you know, you can't blame him. He came to play for Muschamp, and they gave up on Muschamp, so he's walking away from them. But tough spot for the Gamecocks to be in. You got to imagine. I would imagine his teammates support his decision, but at the same time they're probably thinking, you know, we got games to play, and now we got to go without one of our best players. So that's that's just a tough spot all around. 
there for the Gamecocks moving forward. Without one of their best, their defense is already struggling enough. Now they're not going to have J.C. Horn. Uh, but the the real storyline here in South Carolina, of course, is the coaching search. And Ray Tanner spoke for about 30 minutes here. I cut it down. I really tried to stick to uh, the key questions he's got, talking about the ongoing coaching search, obviously, and things of that nature and, and what's going to go into that decision, the future of South Carolina football and everything and everything you can imagine that uh, Ray Tanner was asked about here on Monday. We got it right here. So let's kick it over to Ray Tanner. Uh, what did you learn from the last football head coach search you made and what will you do differently this time? The last time we went through this and um, our deputy athletics director, Charles Waddell at the time was with me every step of the way. We, we did a very thorough vetting process and, and interviewed a lot of great candidates. Uh, going back to ending up with Coach Muschamp taking over the program with his experience in the Southeast and the Southeastern Conference being a player, the programs that he's been a part of, uh, felt that we, we really did a, a great job. And we will do the same thing going forward. It may be a little bit different process. However, uh, it's important that you vet, you take the time. Sooner than later is better. However, it's important that the proper vetting is done and we, we get the right person to move this program forward. This decision made solely yesterday or uh, if the Gamecocks had won on Saturday, would Will still be the coach? And why midseason and not at the end of the year? Well, a lot of hypotheticals there, Pete, but I'll tell you the decision was made yesterday. It wasn't made in advance. There were some conversations that occurred. Um, as you, you know, my direct report is President Bob Caslin, and we had some conversations uh, on a number of occasions yesterday, and so the decision was made yesterday. Um, you mentioned waiting till the end of the year. Is there ever a great time? I don't know that any time is more perfect than others. I know that as we move forward, there's a December 16th signing date. We also know that in January, the NCAA is likely, and I say likely because I don't know, they're likely to pass legislation where um, all students have a one-time transfer opportunity. Uh, that's in May. And I, and I think the sooner we move forward in the program, the better that we will be. And if we do have a new coach, the desire would be to have one b before the signing date occurs that our commitments have an opportunity to exactly know their path going forward. And also, Ray, is there two, three, four things that are at the very top of your list as far as the credentials you're looking for in a new head coach? Well, I, I think that there are some things that are very important. I, you know, I think as we sit here today and we think about college football and you guys are so very knowledgeable and you follow it closely, you, you know, it may be a time that it's uh, everybody lights up the scoreboard. You know, the 10-7 games have – or, or, or distant memory. So I think that's important that, you know, we maybe get an offensive-oriented type situation, whether it's the head coach or, or a fantastic coordinator to, to move the needle in that capacity. But the other things um, we, we had with all the passion and dedication, and you just want to get the right person, the enthusiasm. You want guys to have fun, you know, and it's a heck of a lot more fun when you're winning. Has anyone expressed any interest or reached out to you guys about interest in the job yet? I've had some, you know, some third-party interest, as you would expect. But, um, you know, I haven't, I haven't had dialogue with anyone. I'm, I wouldn't do that. And, no, and nobody has tried to, to get to me directly. But there certainly has been some interest. This is a very, very good job. This is um, uh, a situation where 
facility-wise, resource-wise, was about as good as it gets uh, compared to anybody around the country and the SEC. And there are some great opportunities ahead. With the buyout and with the economy the way it is, will it limit you in any way being able to go out financially and get the coach that you may want to get? I would hope that it, it would not, but, but Dick, I, I think those possibilities could exist. They certainly have to be considered. I mean, we are in the midst of a pandemic. We have some financial pressures on us um, with our current attendance at football that's limited. This affected everybody. Um, but at the end of the day, our department has, has operated financially secure for probably more than 15 years. And the, the debt that we inherited because of COVID and now changing football coaches will fall on the backs of the athletics department. It's not going to be anybody at the university. We'll certainly have a pathway that we'll try to have the resources to do what we, we need to do going forward. But at the end of the day, it will all come back to athletics. Will we be able to accomplish that next year or in one year? It will take us some time. But we will, we will do that from the Department of Athletics. Ray, just to make sure I'm clear on a few things, your goal will be to have a coach by December 16th, which is the start of that signing period? In an ideal circumstance, I think prior to that would be what we would pursue. Um, I think there are a lot of advantages to doing that, should it work out. Um, you know, we want to be in a hurry to do that, but we're not rushing. I mean, it's important that the right person's in the spot, and uh, I'd like to, like to do that. I, I think that it presents some opportunities on the recruiting trails, and it gives us an opportunity for our commits to know exactly what they're dealing with going forward. So it's a, it's a goal that I hope can be realized, but you know, sometimes you don't, you don't hit all your goals. Uh, Ray, I uh, wanted to know first if – do you have to – has your coaching brain behind you? Like, I mean, obviously you were given a long time to kind of build a baseball program. Is it hard to kind of put that away when you know that in this day and age it, it has to be done quick, wins have to happen quickly? Scott, you bring up a really good point. I had this conversation, I think, late last night with one of my colleagues that, you know, where, the, where we are today in this world with uh, – Social media and instant gratification, the landscape has changed. Um, like it or not, we're living in a different era. I think you all can remember back, some, some are not as old as others, but you can remember back where a coach was a coach for a long time. And unless something happened, they remained the coach. It's not the case anymore. It's, uh, it's a results-driven uh, profession. It's not just the level of football. It has trickled down to the Olympic sports as well. And that was never the case. It's all changed. We realize it, and it's a circumstance that, that we're dealing with. But there's just not – we're just not in a place that, you know, a coach gets a, a long, long tenure unless the success, success is off the charts. With that being said, do you have to walk into any interview and, and tell a candidate, I, I need you to win right away, I need you to turn this around ASAP? I don't know that I would I – would, I would approach it exactly that way, but I think that the people that we'll be talking to understand the dynamics of, of where, where college football is, especially in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, Ray, two questions. Uh, first of all, obviously, President Kaslin's background is uh, at Army. They triple option teams usually there, uh, but a lot of programs don't tend to want to do that. Would a, a triple option coach potentially be disqualified on that front just from that sort of schematic side? 
and also how much of a, a, a weight do you put on being a sitting head coach versus potentially being a coordinator or potentially not having coordinating experience at all? It's a good question. I, I don't think that, you know, we're going to, I'm going to sit here and tell you that, that certain coaches to fit certain positions or run a certain offense or do things a certain way will be ruled in and ruled out. Um, and I, I'll leave it at that. I, I wouldn't think you would see a, a, an option oriented attack, but we'll, you never can tell. And um, what was the second part of your question, Ben? How much, I, I guess, how much weight do you put on saying you need to go get someone who has head coaching experience uh, versus someone who's potentially a coordinator or versus someone who maybe doesn't have coordinating experience at all, but is just a strong... It's not going to be, it's not going to be a requirement that we go out and get a sitting head coach. I mean, certainly we'll take, we'll take a look at some sitting head coaches, but there's other examples and other circumstances around the country that have worked extremely well. Uh, whether you know they were a coordinator or whether they were just a position coach, but uh, being you know being a sitting head coach doesn't necessarily guarantee that it's going to work out perfectly. You you may have your own opinion, but there's examples to defy that as well. Yeah, right. You mentioned trying to go after someone or looking at people with offensive backgrounds, but in terms of the interview process, what are you looking for in a coach when you interview him and? How hard is that to do? Maybe if you're doing those things virtually, I, I don't think it's a perfect science. I mean, there, I, I've had an opportunity, and I spoke to one of the all-time great athletic directors in this country uh, last night, and he was in the position for a long time, and he told me that he was only about 50% successful hiring coaches, which was was a you know kind of a chuckle for me. I said I thought you were like 100%. He said the truth, it wasn't. So it, it's um, it's a challenge, but we're not going to lose. We're not going to lose that character, integrity, the work ethic, the passion. You know, student athletes first mentality is is in a different place than maybe many years ago. Those those remain the same, but the student athlete experience and and a person that would would inject a tremendous amount of enthusiasm and fun into the program is very very important. Uh, yes, you you want a, a knowledgeable coach, maybe. A, a coach that, that can win right away, if, if that's the case, but has the energy and the excitement to do that. I, I don't think that there's a perfect formula um, to be successful, but you've you got to hire the right person. And, and then what happens on the field, you hope, is a great outcome. Ray, will Hugh Freeze be a candidate for this job? I'm not going to speak to any particular candidates. Um, nobody is, is ruled out. We're looking at... We'll be looking at a, a long list of candidates, and you know that work that work started last night, and um, so you know at this point that you know we'll, we'll consider a lot of different people. We'll you know now we're in the process of of narrowing the list down. All right, Shade. So he he saved the best for the last. There, Hugh Freeze is he a candidate or isn't he? <laughs> we'll get to that a little bit more with uh, Mike Yuva, our outstanding uh, reporter there in Columbia, who's going to break that down, but. Main takeaway for you, Shane, from uh, Ray Tanner's comments. Well, I, that that is still too early. Um, I, I think they've got a pretty big pool, and they're still getting names in. It kind of feels like it, this doesn't feel like a bang bang situation where they've got somebody lined up. Uh, uh, you know, the benefit of you doing it in November is no other teams have. So you've got you've got some time, but you got to be careful because those rumors are going to start swelling around some of these other universities here at the end of December and uh, that you don't want to get caught out there, you know, especially if you could, if you could rope one of these guys in sooner than later. 
Yeah, and I appreciate Tanner being, you know, fairly transparent here and noted that the buyout may have been a little bit of an issue and mm-hmm. they had to consider that. Now it's important to note, as I understand it, he's owed about thirteen million, but it's not like South Carolina's gonna write that check right now. It's same deal as the Butch Jones at Tennessee and all these other guys. They've got several years to pay that off. I'm not downplaying the fact they got to pay him all that money, but it's it might impede them a little bit given yeah. you know all the COVID financials stuff, but it's not like hell, all these SEC schools printing money. So I don't <laughs> think it's gonna necessarily cost them, you know, these big names and and like I said, we'll get to Mike Yuva in just a second here, but it sounds like Hugh Freeze, who's a name everybody has got on their tip of their tongue there in South Carolina, he may not even command top dollar. So I don't know. It's just a lot to consider here, and this is uh, you know a ton of ton of potential here at South Carolina if they get the right guy in there. And I think this might be the end. You know, we're seeing the struggles there. I guess struggles might not be the right word, but Kirby Smart, his program seems to be a little stuck in neutral. Jeremy Pruitt struggling at Tennessee. Will Muschamp just got laid off. Mm-hmm. I think we might be seeing the end of uh, let's just hire a Nick Saban defensive assistant because that, that ain't working. Yeah, and I, I will say this, as far as you freeze, I think he will be extremely cheap. You know, I, I fully expect a, a contract similar to uh, Arkansas coach Sam Pittman, mm-hmm. yeah, something that you can have uh, not, not so much a um, like a backup plan. What's it? Like a contingency plan. Like if things don't work out – it's not going to set the university back like like it is here with uh, Muschamp with several million dollars, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, uh, we spieled on long enough here. Let's get to our interview here with Mike Yuva, the guy that broke the story. He was had it before anyone else. And you can follow him at Mike underscore UVA. And like I kind of joked with him here, hey, give this guy a follow. He's going to be the one that breaks the news, whoever South Carolina hires, turn on them mm-hmm. notifications because, man, he's all over <laughs> all the news. So let's kick it over to our interview with Mike Yuva. All right, we're pleased now to be joined by Mike Yuva. He's a sports reporter for WACH Fox out of uh, Columbia. And you can, you got to give him a follow if you're a Gamecock fan, at Mike underscore UVA, the man who broke the news that Will Muschamp was out. Mike, thanks for taking the time. I really do appreciate you. Well, Mike, I've been a fan of FAR, following your material since I've got down here, so I appreciate you taking the time to have me on. Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I don't expect you to reveal any of your sources or anything, not asking for that information, but can you give the listeners, you know, some insight in just to, you know, how much work goes in behind the scenes to break a big story like this with so many people chasing after it? Uh, with, with, again, you're the man that uh, first reported that Will Muschamp was out at South Carolina. Well, I mean, it was one of those things that as I woke up in the morning, you start getting you know phone calls and texts and people are trying to keep you up to date on things in terms of some of the guys that you've been fortunate to build relationships in the past, whether it's stories uh, with being able to, to break uh, Marcus Lattimore coming back to USC to work in the player, in, in the, you know, player development department or when we broke the story about Holinsky. Uh, taking over for Jake Bentley last year. I've just been very fortunate to meet some of the right people. And, you know, something like this pops up. You just continue to to trust some of these guys that you've built relationships with, and they know that they, they can trust you because I was confident around 4 o'clock yesterday that we had the story and we were ready to go. Uh, Will Muschamp was meeting with the administration at 6 p.m. 
And that's when he was officially told that his services were no longer needed at the University of South Carolina. But I was like 95% sure. And for a story like this, I needed to make sure I was 100% sure. That's why I decided to do a little old school Boston journalism, the Boston in me, and decided to camp out in front of the ops building. And I saw Muschamp's car and the former college football player in me thinks, okay, car's there. That means he's watching film. Normal day. Players are walking in and out of the building on, a, on an off day. That's normal. And there was no team meeting scheduled at that time. But that obviously changed at 645 when players were informed of a 715 emergency meeting, something that had never happened under Will Muschamp. And that's when they were informed that Muschamp would no longer be the head football coach for the Gamecocks. So I just wanted to get your thoughts. What do you think of the decision South Carolina made to move on from Will Muschamp? Because, you know, I've never heard a bad word about the guy, about, you know, people that know him and have worked with him or, or worked for him. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I think I was kind of surprised in terms of just when it happened. But then when you take a step back and you look at the future, um, I, I can understand why they wanted to make this decision now, be able to get it taken care of in terms of, um, of being able to have a sense of direction before the early signing day period in December. Um, but also when you look at the situation in terms of the buyout in, in the middle of a pandemic, I was kind of surprised with three games to go. Um, especially after everything I was told, you know, leading up. I mean, there was obviously some buzz that picked up this past week. There's boosters that were upset, board of trustee members that were upset. But from everything that I was told, Ray Tanner wanted to have Muschamp finish off the season. He wanted, he doesn't like firing people in the middle of the season. Um, but I, I just, I, from everything I was told, after just the, the poor defensive performance once again, I mean, giving up 159 points in the last three games, over 700 yards of offense to Ole Miss, I think Tanner was kind of pushed into a corner to have to make a decision. And I think ultimately that's what led to South Carolina pulling the plug now in comparison to maybe waiting, you know, say three or four weeks from now. Now you've covered the entire Will Muschamp era here in Columbia. Uh, What do you think his lasting legacy will be at South Carolina? I think he's going to be a guy that was a great guy, you know, and and the players will tell you that as well. Um, He was able to start off his career pretty well here in terms of being able to turn things back in the right direction after the debacle that was left behind by Steve Spurrier. And that was not an easy mess to be able to clean up, but he did a phenomenal job. I mean, that, that's the crazy part. Five seasons, well, nearly five seasons, because of course he didn't complete this year, but five seasons, 28 wins. And of those 28 wins, 22 of them came in his first three seasons. So when you think about that, I mean, he had a lot of success his first three seasons. And especially when you look at year one, even though it was, you know, just bowl eligible, we're talking here, to be able to get to that point after how that season started, to go to a true freshman quarterback in Jake Bentley, and then to be able to turn that into a outback bowl win the following year. You know, I, I, I thought Muschamp did everything that he could that he could have possibly done right in those first couple seasons, but you have to be able to show improvement. You have to be able to show growth. And that's something that unfortunately under his leadership, the team was not able to do from a consistency standpoint. And when you're not getting wins, especially in this business, especially in the SEC, decisions like that are going to have to be made. And I don't know uh, if if the buyout was smaller, if this would have happened any sooner, or if he would have even had a chance to be able to coach this year. But ultimately, I guess that doesn't matter at this point because, you know, 13 and a half million could be a little bit more depending on when that final number comes out. Muschamp's walking away with a lot of money in his back pocket. All right, this may be the most important question that I ask you here. How much 
plane tracking experience do you have? Because boy, you're you're gonna need it here in the days to come. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to make some phone calls and see if I can get people to help me out in terms of how do I do this? Um, because I definitely want to do that. I've been following, trying to find details about you know who that board of trustee member was. Who I know I don't know if the word donation would be the proper word or kind of fronted the money to help complete the buyout because I think that's what people need to realize. Why was it done this week and not last week? Someone had to front the money. Someone had to front the money. I don't think Ray Tanner's opinion really changed. I don't think Ray really wanted to make that call right now. Um, I kind of feel like he was kind of pushed in that direction and ultimately had to go with it. So I'm interested to try to find that out. If I can find that out, I have, I have ideas who, who, who it could be or the, the individuals who could have uh, made a contribution to be able to do that. And hopefully in the coming days, I'll be able to get that information out. Is there any chance in your mind that Mike Bobo lands his job full time? Or do you think that that's not even a consideration? No shot. No shot. And the reason why I say that is unfortunately for Mike, they could go out there. They could win out these next three games by 40 points. I don't think they're going to be able to get it. He's not going to be the guy. And the reason being is Bob Caslin, second year president of the university of South Carolina, former Army football player, he turned things around and takes credit uh, for turning around Army's football program because he was part of that hiring process. And I, I think even though Ray Tanner said today during his press conference that he, he's, leading, he's leading the search committee, um, or leading the search for the next head coach, uh, Kaslin will obviously be a part of it. And I'm, I'm sure Kaslin, in his mind, wants to be able to find a guy that can be very similar in terms of what he's looking for and what they were able to replicate at Army. So in the other part, too, just like any company, right, the new boss, they're always going to want their guy. They want to be able to say, see, I brought this guy in. That's why it's successful. So Bobo, unfortunately, to no fault of his own, he wasn't hired as a head coach here, but he was part of the Muschamp regime. So if he does well, it falls back on Muschamp. It doesn't fall back on Kaslin looking good in terms of hiring his own guy from the outside. All right, so I know it's very early in the process, but it seems like 9 out of 10 South Carolina fans, they want Hugh Freeze. What can you tell us about that? Is there any? Uh, is he a legitimate candidate for this job, do you think? Well, if you asked me this last week, and I know some Gamecock fans, we started playing the popsicle headache game in terms of trying to figure out the money. And at the time, like I said, I didn't think it was possible. You throw on the extra two years in terms of what Liberty just offered uh, Coach Freeze, I didn't think it was possible. But then, of course, like I said, something happened. In a large part, that has to do with a donor coming up and making a donation. Or like I said, fronting the money, whatever term you want to use for that, to be able to complete that buyout, which is going to be north of about $13.2 million for, for Muschamp. So I think, I think what I can tell you is, you know, Freeze wants to be able to get back into the SEC. Um, I, I think it was probably around noon today. I got a text message from one of my close sources who's been, you know, very consistent when it comes to being right about information and I trust them and he got this over and in terms of a conversation that was had with, with Freeze and Freeze wants to be able to get back into the SEC. And I don't think that comes as a surprise hearing that. It's like, all right, Michael, tell me something I don't know. But I think what people don't realize is he's willing to take that and not get paid top dollar. He's willing not to get paid as much money as he probably should. And I think if you're USC, that should make you a little, you know, perk up a little bit because money right now, it's going to be tight over at South Carolina. And even though Ray Tanner said today that 
he doesn't anticipate this buyout having any impact on the future of other sports at the school. You know, I was told a couple of weeks ago that at the end of the school year, South Carolina, just like we saw at Clemson, they're very likely going to have to cut a couple programs. So I don't think that has an impact because of the buyout. I think that was going to be inevitable to begin with. But being able to save any type of money that you can at any given time while still being able to get a guy that you like, I think would be huge. But the problem is, and I won't say specific names, I know there's, there's, there's members of the administration that aren't huge Hugh Freeze fans, but there also are members that would love to have Freeze be the next head coach. So I've heard conflicting things, whether the SEC would stand in the way of Hugh Freeze returning to the league. I know it's early. And that's a part of it too. Right, right. So have, have you been hearing anything like that? Or I know it's early in the process. Again, you just reported the firing of the coach less than 24 hours ago, but yeah, have, have you heard anything there? There, there, there's rumbles from some of the people that I, I do speak with, but I haven't, I, I would, I'm not going to lie and say, you know, I, I know the full uh, details in terms of, of that situation. So not a hundred percent sure yet, but I would not be shocked if the SEC at this given time, especially not too long ago when Alabama wanted to hire him as an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. If the SEC right now doesn't want freeze to be back in the SEC, maybe one day they will. Um, is it time? Maybe this time around? Potentially, but I, I just don't know where it stands right now. Let's just say Freeze isn't a candidate for whatever reason. Which direction do you think South Carolina should go in? And, you know, it doesn't even have to be a specific name or anything, but maybe just a, a style of play or, or just kind of basically what other options are, are you given for the Gamecocks out there? I like Napier. I really do. I know a lot of people want to mention uh, Jamie Chadwell, and, you know, I've even brought up his names, but. The more I think about it and the more I have conversations with people over at South Carolina and people that are close with the program, I don't know if Chadwell is going to be the guy right now for him because I feel like South Carolina, based on the circumstances of what's going on in the upstate with Clemson and what's going on with Georgia, I don't know if you're going to have a guy right now that you can bring in, be able to spend all this money for resources to kind of do a rebuild. I think you need to be able to bring a guy in right now who's capable of winning now. Um, And I know – if that was the case for any school, they'd always do that. But I feel like South Carolina is kind of in that situation right now where they have to find a way to win now. You don't have time to go through this whole process and song and dance again like we saw with Muschamp. So um, with that being said, if it's not a guy like Freeze, I think Napier would be good. But I think big picture, South Carolina and Tanner alluded to it today. I think they have to go after an offensive-minded coach. They need to be able to generate points. And I think it's so ironic that we sit here today and we say that because Muschamp was a defensive guru, and the defense has been a mess these last couple of weeks. But for the first half of his coaching career, the offenses which really struggled during those, uh, those seasons that they weren't able to get a lot of points just because, for whatever reason, they had to shuffle offensive coordinators. They had to just figure out in terms of what their identity was. And the defense, for the most part, played well. That was the complete opposite this year, though, and has been. Well, I'm glad you, you mentioned Billy Napier because he's kind of – Related to the next question I have for you, how do you think South Carolina fans would embrace a Clemson assistant or former Clemson assistant potentially getting this job? Because uh, Tony Elliott, Brent Venables, they've both been they both been asked about the job already. So, do you think the Gamecocks would would rally behind a, a former Clemson assistant? I think if you have got a guy that can come in and win, I don't think it matters who they are and where they come from. I'm sure there would be some fans that would be upset 
I'm sure that there would be some media members out there that would try to make a story out of it. Just like if you had one, you know, player like we had with, with, with uh, Taven Feaster when he transferred from South Carolina or transferred in, excuse me, into South Carolina from Clemson. And you had some people talking about that decision. So I think at the end of the day, if that money, if it's, if that figure is right for that coach and they feel like it's an opportunity they want to take right now, then absolutely go by, go for it. Um, and then from a stand, like I said, a fan standpoint, you'll have people that will always be disappointed about things, regardless of who you hire. They could bring, they could bring in Hugh Freeze, right? There'll be people that would be, would be upset, upset about that. They could bring in Nick Saban, which obviously would never happen. And there'd be people that would be upset about that. So I think regardless, you're going to not be able to please everybody. So how attractive of a job do you think this is considering South Carolina annually has to play Clemson, Georgia, Florida, Texas A&M, Tennessee, just go down the list. I mean, do you think this is a job where coaches, you know, coaching candidates around the nation are very eager to jump at this job? I think it all depends what coach you're asking. Um, I think a guy like Hugh Freeze, if he has the opportunity to coach here, I think he'd be willing to be able to jump on that because he wants to get back into the SEC. But for the most part, and I think this is what Gamecock fans need to realize, this isn't Notre Dame, this isn't Ohio State, this isn't Texas. This is the University of South Carolina. Yes, you're part of the SEC, but outside of two guys who are on their way out to retire, being Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier, you've never really been able to land the big-name coach because you're always going to be that third or fourth-best option for most big-name coaches. So a guy like Freeze, if he's desperate for an opportunity to get back in the SEC, you might be able to get that right away. Um, but I just think what Gamecock fans need to realize is you're not going to necessarily be able to land the big-name coach right away because it's just not what some of these other comp schools across the country, but especially in the SEC, what they are. All right, last question for you, Mike. Regardless of who the next coach is at South Carolina, what are the key areas they need to focus on to make this – program successful on the field and especially going up against Clemson oh man I think I think more than anything is you need to be able to find someone that can be able to generate points consistently and you know like I said it's ironic that we're sitting here talking about that today after USC put up 42 points which you'd have to go all the way back to 1994 against ECU to find the last time South Carolina lost the game scoring more than 40 points in a game that was a non-overtime game so I think it's ironic, especially since they were 7-0 under Muschamp when they scored 40 points or more. So I think you need to find someone that can score points because that's just the way college football is today. Um, you need to make sure that you, don't, you don't lose guys in your backyard either. Muschamp did a good job with that last year, but there were, where there were some guys, too, that he missed out on. There was a receiver right down the street from Columbia, and he went to Tennessee, Jalen Hyatt, one of the best wide receivers in the state, and he's making an impact out there. In South Carolina right now is struggling to – find a true number two receiver. So being able to establish the backyard recruiting, being able to get guys that um, you can be able to move the sticks, be able to generate points is going to be huge, but you need to be able to find guys too that are going to buy into your system because they have some talented players right now at that school, but who knows how many of those guys are going to be bought in depending on who gets brought in because a lot of those guys are hurting today because they were big must champ guys. All right, he's Mike Yuva, sports reporter, WACH Fox in Columbia. You can follow him at Mike underscore UVA. If you're not following him already, you're doing it wrong. Hell, I've got the notifications turned on, Mike, because I know when the when South Carolina oh, names geez. a coach, you're going to be the one breaking it. I want to get the fans uh, <laughs> doing the same here. So thanks again. I really, really do appreciate you hopping on, and congratulations on the scoop and, and just the terrific insight you provided here. 
No, I really appreciate it, Mike. And like I said, big fan of your work, and I appreciate you having me on. All right, Shade. So I really appreciate uh, Mike taking the time and doing that interview. I thought uh, you know he shared some really good insight there and interesting comments there. Certainly sounds like Hugh Freeze is in the picture. It's a lot more than just yeah, you know, media speculation and all that wishful thinking. Yeah, right. So I don't know. What What are your thoughts? What What's your takeaway from this one? Uh, again, fantastic interview. Glad he Glad he came on. It's we're going to hear a lot of news man I, i'm telling you coming out of this thing and you're going to hear a lot of sources coming out if you're if you're not locked into mike's twitter handle right now you're not a south carolina fan because this guy's got a pulse down there and he's going to know exactly what happens when it happens so the fact that he is uh, uh a little excited about the hugh free situation makes me think that this may be uh this may be a possibility mm-hmm. and i also think uh you know going back to what Ray Tanner said, and you know, I kind of forgot to mention this, but it all goes together and a little bit to what you said. You know, things are just so sped up now with uh, the early recruiting period, and mm-hmm. you know, you've got to get a jump start on that thing. And now, South Carolina, outside of like I think Southern Miss job is open, but you know, that's not going to compete with South Carolina. Right. This right now is the premier job in the nation that's open, so. You know, credit, uh, you know, the South Carolina administration, if they knew they were going to make a move, it's better to rip that Band-Aid off and, and deal with, you know, the next couple of weeks may be rough on the field. But, hell, it was already rough. <laughs> it's not going to get much worse. And you may just, you know, there may be a guy that all of a sudden, he may already be there, um, you know, that catches that just is so hot that all these schools come after him. And that's, that's probably Hugh Freeze mm-hmm. already. So there's speculation that he may be interested in a Tennessee or, or Vanderbilt or something like that. And right. maybe South Carolina can lock him up before those jobs even come open. So, yeah. so I think South Carolina played this right. And do you think uh, when Tanner did this interview or the answered these questions, was he at Gunner Stockton's house or <laughs> – or not. I mean, <laughs> uh, that's that's the only thing I worry about is uh, you know obviously we saw uh, Horn you know declaring for the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't heard of any other opt outs or you know, but that's that's one thing you got to watch, especially with recruiting because um, you know say what you want, Coach Muschamp, Coach Boom, he, he had. He had a lot of ups and downs, and uh, I mean, it's tough to feel sorry for a guy that's walking away with millions of dollars and lives on a damn island. So I'm not, I'm not totally sad about the whole situation, but uh, he's a very personable guy, and you can see that with uh, some of these old players coming up and, and making. Yeah, he's so I'm just. I just worry about some of these recruits and that's that's why this thing can't drag out too long because I guarantee you man just about every every university has got somebody calling Gunner right now and <laughs> convincing them <laughs> to come to their school so uh yeah they they just can't they can't drag too long here All right, Shane, so let's get to uh, the only game we're going to preview on this one. We're going to wait till the rest of these are official because, like I said, we don't want to spend too much time breaking them, get breaking down these games, and they don't even happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, we got a, a big one here: the Golden Boot, Arkansas, LSU. Woo <laughs> yeah. pig! You know, we hit on on the last show. It's pretty wild how just a year ago LSU's a over a forty point favorite. Now Arkansas is a slight favorite, 
And this is an interesting game on many levels because this is, you know, what the Razorbacks really want year in and year out. Uh, this is a game that's very close to Ed Orgeron. I think he's got family from Arkansas and he used to coach at Arkansas. So, you know, he knows what this game means to the fans and mm-hmm. it, it means a lot to him. And it's almost like, you know, I want to say LSU's on a decline just because they have one bad year, but clearly not as good as last year while Arkansas shooting up the charts of the SEC based on where they've been. So as much as this game means a lot for Arkansas and proving, you know, that they're kind of back among, I don't want, I don't want to say contenders of SEC because they're not there. They're not there just yet, but you know, that they're legit. They, I think they got to get this one. We're on the other yeah. end of the spectrum, LSU, man, it's just a terrible look if you're dropping these games and, you know, you got to make sure that you keep Sam Pittman and his program under you in the worst year maybe ever of the Ed Orgeron era. We got to we gotta beat Arkansas and show them who's boss. So all the ways I look at this one, Shane, I think this is, there's a lot riding on this one. Yeah, I mean, and clearly Vegas thinks this is going to be the best game of the week. So I, I think this is, uh, this is made for there, – there's so many ways that this game can go. And, um, and it seems like I say that every week about Arkansas, <laughs> you know, or LSU, it's mm-hmm. just these two teams, they, at times they, they look like they could beat anybody. And then LSU, especially, you know, they've, they've had a lot of, I don't know, they've had a lot of bad games and a lot of great games, but you don't want to hear this, this hot seat talk coming from a team that just won a national championship. So a team like Arkansas, a team you're now, a, a, I mean, you're an underdog to, to Arkansas Razorbacks, a team that hasn't won an SEC game coming into this season and what, 21 shots. I can't remember what old, but everybody used to tell, <laughs> but this is a, this is a program that all of a sudden is, is on fire. They had a rough week last week, but I think that they played Florida at the at the peak of their uh, develop. Oh shit! Maybe I do have the COVID. I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe I'm already going crazy, and I ain't even quarantined day one yet. <laughs> well, speaking of quarantine here, let's kick it over to Sam Pittman, who he's still at home. He's still in the quarantine, but he's going to be back this week. He's feeling good. How he's doing? He talks about that. And then I thought, uh, you know, this would kind of go with the theme of the show and all this South Carolina coaching search. He talked about uh, building his staff and how mm-hmm. the day Chad Morris was fired, he started thinking about <laughs> the staff he's going to put together, and it shows by the guys he's got. And then on uh, Jalen Catalong, a guy that, uh, you know, I've been hyping up all off season. He's living up to the hype and some. He looks like one of the best defensive backs here in the SEC. Hey, Sam, I got a couple things. First, how are you doing, and are you on target for – Coming back on Wednesday, I am. Uh, thank you for asking. I, I'm. I feel uh, really good, um, and I'll, I'll be back in the office on Wednesday. And and um, I sure appreciate everybody. Um, old Daddy told me a long time ago, the world don't rotate around my butt, but it sure felt like it with all the well wishes and all those things. And I sure do appreciate it. And I'm following up on a question um, last week about the composition of your coaching staff. And you've kind of talked in bits and pieces to us about them being like-minded, positive reinforcement type coaches. As you were putting, was putting it together, was that a big part of guys who thought the way you did to, to have on this staff? 
I think it was a big part of guys who treat people like I do. You know, I, I mean, hopefully I'm, I'm treat folks the right way and all those with ultimate respect. And, and I wanted guys around me that had that same uh, mannerism about them, same respect for people. And that also that, that goes back to the players as well. And, and I think we did a good job. We have, we really do. We have a great camaraderie in our building and everybody wants everybody to have success. And, and it's a lot of fun going to work and, Certainly, I've been out now for eight or nine days, but uh, it's a lot of fun going in the building and being around great men and, and women, for that matter, as well. Sam, I was wondering, what, what point in your career did you start putting together a list of guys you'd want to get on a staff if you could be a head coach? Do you remember maybe about when that was? Yeah, I think it's the day after um, Coach Morris was let go. I think it's when I started uh, – trying to figure out who I would want on the staff. Well, no, I, I mean, hypothetically, you know, you're 40 or whatever, 8, 38, I don't know. You start, you know, I mean, I just wondered about if there was a – No, Bob, to be honest with you, <clears throat> there was a point in time in my career when I just said, hey, I, I've been very blessed. I'm the O-line coach, associate head coach at Georgia. I'm making a lot of money, and this is, this is what the Lord wants for me. And – then and I was and I was thankful for that and I mean I had a great job but you know so I had kind of made you know I was getting older and uh, I'd kind of made up my mind that I need to try to be the best offensive line coach in the country and I need to be very thankful for the job that I have and uh, then Arkansas came along so you know I've known coaches I've been to 100 million schools you know so I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of coaches and so that wasn't a problem, you know, that, that, that wasn't a problem of getting names. And uh, I'm glad that they thought enough of me to come here to Arkansas with me. I didn't have to go down lengthy in the list uh, because most of the guys I asked uh, decided to come. They were, you know, the top guys on the list. They, they decided to, they were able to come be with us at Arkansas. Jalen Catalan had a couple of big hits in that game, and we've seen that through the course of the season. Um, the, the value of having a safety who makes guys think twice about going over the middle. Just w what have you thought of Jalen's year and his, his impact as a big hitter? Well, I really didn't know much about anybody on the team when the season started. <clears throat> Certainly didn't have any chance to see him hit anybody. But – to me, he's he's the key to our defense, and we're so fortunate that he's young. He's a freshman, but in mentality, he's he's a senior. I mean, he's very very smart on the field and in the classroom. So is his brother, uh, but uh, he's just real valuable to us. He's 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 got that uh, calm demeanor about about him, and you know that kind of that silent assassin type about his personality and. And he will hit you. And I think there's different games this year where I think he set the tone about what's going to go on out there. And I think it's helped us. All right, Shane. So I just thought these were some good comments that, uh, you know, all fans and particularly Arkansas would appreciate. But just the fact that, you know, just the more evidence that as soon as this Arkansas job came open, it's not just coach speak. I mean, this is his dream job. He, Imagine you, your coach dreaming about the staff putting together 
if he if he gets that call, he got that call, and now he's putting it all together. And now, I mean, I think of all the victories Arkansas has had this year, I think beating LSU would be the biggest one yet. And just the latest reminder that, uh, hey, Arkansas is here to stay under Sam Pittman. And, you know, it's going to lock him up coach of the year if they get this done. Absolutely, man. And I don't know. It seems like every time we hear Coach Pittman, I've, I've never I've never heard a more grateful coach in my life, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's, he's just happy to be there, and uh, and that's clear. And, and uh, I think we're happy to have him, Mike. I, I, just thinking about where Arkansas was last year, last year and where they are this year, it's just it's it's just impressive. And that it's not like the talent just took a huge step forward. It's it's these coaches found ways to exploit it. And um, that's just, that's kudos on both sides. Uh, these coordinators, coach Pittman. Um, it's just, a, it's just a fun story, man. It really is. Now on the other side, let's uh, kick it down to Baton Rouge real quick where. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers. It's a little bit different because uh, Coach O and his LSU Tigers dealing with COVID issues. They're dealing with they're going to start a true freshman quarterback. Either way they go, mm-hmm. T.J. Finley or Max Johnson. It sounds like it's going to be T.J. Finley. But, yeah, I mean, he's getting asked questions here, Shane, like, do you really want to play Alabama? Are you going to play <laughs> the young guys or are you trying to win? I mean, it's like – Oh, my God. But this is LSU this year, man, where you just don't know which one's going to show up. What do you call it? The Hulk versus Bruce Banner? I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's they've, right, they've had so much time to prepare. This has got this has got to be like a circle of the wagons type game. And I, I would imagine Coach O and company, they're feeling pretty disrespected with all this talk that's going on. But uh, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on just what this game means for LSU, who's still a very, very proud fan base and program? Yeah, I think we need the Hulk, man. And uh, it's because as crazy as this year's been, a lot of folks forget how the season started. They always remember how it ended. And if LSU can get back to some of those great games that they've had just this season, they've shown the ability to to run away and, and be one of the most dangerous teams in the nation. If they can do that at the tail end of this season – yeah, that's what they're going to remember, and that's what these recruits will remember, and that's I just think it's just good for the brand. So I think it's very, very important this game to get back and get right on track because right now LSU's a laughing stock, and then and then on top of that, you've got articles coming out from USA Today. It's just the program's got a a bad look right now, and uh, they need some victories, man. They need uh, this fan base to get get fired back up again mm-hmm. well let's kick it over to coach o real quick shane who gives the latest update on all their guys and the COVID issues they've been having on the quarterback battle on uh, not went kind of a little bit of a deep dive here on alabama and how people saying lsu don't want to face alabama and of course he talks arkansas razorbacks their improvement and then uh quote of the day here he talks about his punter zach van van rosenberg who's the oldest guy in college football Love, loves this guy. Can you give me any kind of number update on your roster? Are you confident that you're going to have enough guys yeah. to, roll, to, to play in Fayetteville this weekend? You know, we feel like we should get most of our quarantine guys back either today or tomorrow. So we feel like uh, 
the room's going to be full today for the first time. We're actually going to have two quarterbacks practice. Could you walk us through how you plan on handling the quarterbacks? Yeah, you know, you know, TJ's has taken the first team reps. Uh, Max hasn't practiced for a week now. We're going to let him get back. And we're going to see who's the best guy available. Uh, right now, it's probably going to be TJ unless Max come on and have a, a, a great game, a great week. And uh, But we're, we're probably going to play both of them in the game. Yeah, you talk about you know TJ Finley there. He's, you've seen two games from him thus far. It's been a while since I've actually played, but uh, what kind of things do you want to see from him moving practice, practice moving forward? And, yeah. And Boy, we got to take care of the football. Got to take care of the football. We got to make smart decisions, which he did the first game. The second game he didn't, and uh, we had three turnovers. You, you can't go on the road and turn over the football. Uh, so, but it's not all on him. It's uh, it's on the play calling. Keep it simple for him. It's on the other players surrounding, playing better. It's about the offensive line protection. It's about everybody. Hey, obviously, with just kind of where the season's at right now, how do you balance maybe, you know, one to give young guys chances, one to let them have time, but also obviously wanting to win games? Yeah, it's always about winning the game. And we've got a lot of young guys playing, so it kind of works out both. But it, well, I'm not going to take out a, an older guy just to play a younger guy to give him reps. Uh-uh. This is about win the game, give our guys the best chance to win. You know, does it does it kind of uh, tick you off when when people insinuate that maybe you don't want to play Alabama and you would be happy that the game wouldn't be rescheduled? We look forward to rescheduling Alabama. Uh, whenever they tell us to play, we want to play. Uh, we wanted to play last week. Uh, we weren't able to play because of the safety of our players. And we got to put the safety of our players first. So people are going to say things here and there that's not true. Uh, we look forward to playing Alabama. I love the rivalry. I grew up watching that rivalry. They're a great football team. It'd be a great challenge. But whenever they tell us to play, we'll be ready to go. Are you confident that that's going to happen, Coach? I don't know that. I hope it does. You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm hearing some rescheduling may may be uh, made, but nobody has told us for sure. So uh, this is very fluid. But I do believe that Alabama and LSU ought to play this year, and I do believe that we're going to play somehow, some way. If you've noticed a difference in Felipe Franks from his time at Florida, his time at Arkansas. Felipe Franks is doing a little bit more RPOs than he did at Florida. Uh, his leadership skills are showing on the field. He, he loves to run the offense. It looks like the guys are playing. He's using his skill. Traylon Burks, a guy from Warren, Arkansas, who I tried to recruit very hard. We were right in the thick of it. Outstanding player. I got a great running back. I got another great receiver. Their offensive line is playing well because they had coach the offensive line coach. So I think they've done a tremendous job. Barry Odom does a good job with their defense. Uh, he did a great job of game planning. Uh, Ole Miss, I think Ole Miss had six picks. He dropped eight on them. So the guy, the guy knows what he's doing. Ted, you may have gone and just answered a lot of this, but what is the biggest difference that you're seeing in Arkansas? Yeah. A new coach comes in and mixes yeah. things up. Yeah. Is there recruiting class hitting? Is it time? They got players better. You know, Felipe has made a difference, but they got players better. Kendall Browse has done a Outstanding job. They go hurry up. They're one of the fastest teams that we've seen on offense. Uh, look at the first drive against Florida. Well, I just watched it on TV. Tremendous job. Tremendous job of calling plays. Tremendous job of beating the deep ball. They're putting their athletes in space, let them make plays. I think Barry Odom, for the most part, has done a tremendous job on defense. You can see his schemes. You can see the fundamentals. I just think they – I talked to Coach Pittman this morning. Hey, you know what? Those guys are having faith in their coaching staff. They're getting, they're getting loved, and they feel like they can be a good team. Give them credit.
had a slightly different question. Zach von Rosenberg, obviously, he's now the oldest player in college football at 30 years old. He says that everyone gives him a kind of a hard time about that around the facility, and you included. When you sort of rip him on it, what kind of things do you say to him? Oh, you know, it wins a Social Security check coming in, stuff like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I love him. I love Zach. And, you know, Zach's a team leader. You know, like I said, he played second-team quarterback last year, not last week. Did a tremendous job. Uh, beat our defense a little bit, which worries me. Uh, but, you know, he done a tremendous job for him. All right, Chase, you getting his pension yet? I mean, that's what Coach O's want to know. But no, what I really wanted to ask you, though, Shane, because clearly, you know, as much as Arkansas fans are – fired up about their team, and they like their chances and all that. Yeah, LSU's the superior team when you just talk talent on paper. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying coaching staff-wise because, hell, Arkansas's got loaded with some elite coaches now. But, mm-hmm. and, you know, on top of that, Shane, I know most of the players and, and hell, the line, I don't know how much that really means more often than not. But do you think it means anything this week when, you know, Arkansas fans, I know it's just the fans, I've not seen any players doing it necessarily, but it's almost like they're having a damn parade because they're the favorite against LSU, whereas the Tigers have had multiple weeks to rest up, get prepared for this game. And you got to think that they're just feeling completely disrespected by that and yeah. the fact that, you know, a team, the score last year, Shane, 56-20, to 20, now they're an underdog against. I don't know any of that surface motivation you think for LSU this week. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would use it, and I'm I'm assuming Coach O's using it. This is, in fact, I think this is the worst thing that could have happened to Arkansas mm-hmm. uh, going into this game. They they do better when they are underdogs, and, and everybody's got them counted out. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we got a lot of hype coming into this week against Florida, and we saw where that led. Now, granted, they were still underdogs, but coming into LSU and thinking you've made it, I, I that's that's a scary team. And I and I'll say that to the very end because of what they have shown me this year. If they are hitting on all cylinders, they're they are one of the better teams in the nation. So, which team is Arkansas going to get? You know, we joke about the Hulk and 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 Banner, but the, the one of them are is walking through that door, and you just you're just praying he ain't green, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Shane. So, like I said, that's all we got. We're gonna hold off to uh, the rest of the previews till we know there's actual games going on. But uh, you know, I still think there's a great pod. We got uh, we're gonna have so much coverage of the South Carolina coaching search as it yeah. continues to develop. I'll look into having more great guests like Mike Yuva. I want to say thanks again to him for uh, hopping on the pod here and, and sharing some intel there. But uh, you got anything else, Shane, before we hop off here? Well, I was just I was thinking about that group thread um, with Boom and Pruitt and Lane Kiffin, you know, I uh, Kirby Smart. I, could you, I mean, do you, could you imagine the gifts that are coming back and forth right now? <laughs> You know, I mean, they say what you want. Lane Kiffin got Muschamp fired this week. I wonder if they've even tw- text each other. So that's that's what's on my mind. But other than that, Mike, I've got nothing. Well, I'll be honest with you, Shane. I've got a, some trolls, and you know them well, and some of these yeah. text threads we're in. But I do not think I can handle being in one with Lane Kiffin. That's all I'll say about that one. 
But uh, hey, if you made it this far, don't forget, leave us that five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. We'll send you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that. Just send that on over to thatsecpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for joining me as always, Shane. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go for balls.